Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Okay, there we go. Um, I think this is week 11 of our Colossians series. Uh, We love preaching through the Word of God um, because it... um, it is the way that God speaks to us and reveals himself in that. And we are in chapter four. Travis did a great job on two very difficult verses last week. So kudos to Travis. And I have the privilege of um, kind of beginning what is Paul's landing. And this gives me a great amount of um, of grace because Paul lands often his letters three or four times, um, but this is kind of his penultimate landing, and so we're going to be looking at Colossians 4. But before we start that, I think it's important for us to recognize I mean, most of you got one of these little booklets in, in, uh, when we started our series in Colossians, and one of the most important things is that in the first three uh, chapters of the letter, and and remember that we're breaking them up into chapters because that's how we understand them. These were letters. How many of you guys write a letter and then write a chapter and a verse? That that doesn't happen, right? This is just for us to be able to kind of pass it out. But the first three chapters are about who Jesus is and what he has done. Uh, And then from the middle of the third chapter onwards, it talks about, Paul talks about what is very practically the outworking of those things. Now this process is not a coincidence. This process has an order because if it was together in terms of um, in order for Christ to do something for you, you need to align yourself and do something for him and then it's kind of a, a tit for tat thing. No, this is what Christ has done for us. So in Colossians 2 verses six to seven by way of reminder, he says, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught overflowing with gratitude it doesn't sound like something we work for it doesn't sound like something we attain to it sounds like something that we simply receive in Colossians 3 verses 1 to 5 he says so if you have been raised with Christ seek the things above where Christ is he seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Now remember, Brittany was telling us about baptism. You died when you went under the water. You were raised with Christ, cleansed from your sin. This is all something that is done on your behalf. This is beautiful. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ hears your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death and then we we covered in the beginning of chapter three some of the things that we're to put to death or to put off and then we covered at the end of chapter three some of the things that we're to put on I thought about this um, metaphor for salvation and and metaphors for salvation are kind of cheesy but here we go okay Um, I was thinking about being in an ambulance I know don't worry don't wonder why I was thinking about that but I was thinking I wonder if I could restrain myself to tell the people in the ambulance, which is the fastest way to get to the hospital, right? So for those of you who know me, you know that this is, this is probably something I would be thinking about even if I was, if I was dying. But, but our salvation is, is like, it's like someone coming to us when we are dead and dying and saying, you need help. 
putting us in the back of the ambulance and taking us to the hospital where not only are the things that are taken away that are producing death for us, but we are given things that produce life. So our salvation is not only a taking away, but a giving of. And our salvation is the fact that Jesus has taken away everything that leads to death. Um, Our sin, our sinful nature, our ability to want to make gods of ourselves, that is taken away. And what he's done and what he's produced in us is this desire, this propensity to bring him glory and to live the way that we're supposed to live. That nowhere in an ambulance is someone going to come out and just leave you out there saying he didn't pull his weight. I'm sorry, but you know, he just lay there. No, no, that's what the ambulance is for. And what we've got to realize is that we were spiritually incredibly sick. We could do nothing about our state. And we were rescued. And we were taken to a place where we could be healed. And the joy of this place is that we get to leave the hospital and we get to do things that bring God's glory and we get to see other sick people saved. And so it's important because we need to understand the order of this so that when we hear these imperatives, we don't think, oh my goodness, more things that I have to do. So we are told about how to adjust our thinking, how to adjust our living and our moral behavior and our relationships. And then we come to verse two of chapter four. Paul says to the Colossian church, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us so that I may make it, sorry, so that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. And so what I want to talk about this evening is how do we partner with the one that holds all things together? And simply speaking, it seems that Paul is saying the way we pray, the way we walk, and the way we talk is how we do that. Now, I don't have enough time to go into walk and talk, and we've covered some of that. I want to focus on prayer this evening. Some of us already, when, when you're hearing me saying, okay, we're going to talk about prayer, are already feeling a little anxious and shameful. Because for some of us, prayer is not an area of flourishing. For some of us, we've tried to pray and it's failed. And, and maybe we try and hide how hollow our disciplines are. Maybe we're feeling even right now a little uncomfortable and condemned. So I'm going to ask John Mark to come up here. So this is my trick to make sure everyone's paying attention. He didn't know I was going to ask him to come up here. But in our, in our pre-gathering prayer, which is not just a tradition, it's something we do to open our hearts to what God is saying, John Mark felt something in the context of the... Oh, I like being taller than you. Yeah, check it out. I feel really good right now. But he, he sensed something in God, and I just want him to pray that before we launch into prayer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many of you are feeling like prayer has been difficult in this season. Um, intimacy with God has been difficult, or maybe you've received even a difficult no to some of your prayers. I've been in that place. Um, personally, Madeline and I have been uh, walking through a season um, of some challenges with work and, and some decisions coming up. And we've often told each other in this last season, I just feel like God is silent. God's silent. 
um, or some of the things we've been praying for and hoping for, we received a no on them. It's just been difficult. It's been a difficult season. Um, you're not alone. You're not alone in that if you're feeling that and sensing that. And what we sang this evening is absolutely true. God is an anchor even if we can't see it, even when we don't experience it. Um, he is true. He is steadfast. Um, so anyhow, that's what Pray. I wanted to share. Father, I thank you that I can come to you. I'm your son, and you are my father. You hear my words, and even as I pray, Lord, sometimes I don't know that you're there. I can't see you. I can't feel you close. Lord, and even in these last couple of weeks, I felt like you've been silent. And there may be some... Uh, as a part of Mercy Commons that have felt that way too. And so, God, I pray that your nearness and your closeness would be evident to us even when we don't see it. I pray for those, Lord, who feel like you are distant, who've received no's. Lord, I pray that you would take them on a journey um, where they discover your infinite, powerful, and abundant love for them a father loving their son or daughter. And so, Lord, I pray that over us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, John Mark. So even as we begin, um, if you guys are sensing any sense of condemnation or any sense of I need to do something, I want to encourage you more into the joy of what it means to engage God in prayer. So, Paul says, devote yourselves, be diligent, steadfast, and persistent on or to prayer. Stay alert, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us so that we may speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Prayer is one of the tools that God has given us as a community to revel in the mercy of God. Um, it enables us to be with God. And not very many of us think of the idea of prayer as simply being with God, but that's what that is. It is not communication with God, it is communion with God, intimate fellowship with God. And so when the first thing that Paul says that we should look at is a prayer life that is full of steadfast devotion. Now, many of you will know the story of the widow. Jesus told the story about prayer. And widows um, had no ability to earn income. They had no ability to receive justice. No one was looking after them. And this widow came to this judge's door and she knocked on the door and she said, give me justice, give me justice. And the guy was asleep and the guy wouldn't answer. And so he, she kept knocking on the door and she kept knocking on the door until eventually the guy got frustrated and he opened and, and he said, I'm going to give her justice, not because I feel like I need to, but she, because she bugs me. And Jesus said, the, the important thing that you've got to understand is that your dad is not like that. Your father is not someone that is withholding or not listening to you because you're, you're bugging him. The answers that he gives you is because out of his love and affection towards you. And so there isn't the sense of, of um, steadfastness, like if we do something long enough, then whatever those, the, the number is that God will answer us. No, what it does in us is it produces a dependence on God and say, God, if you don't open this door, there is no other alternative for me. 
And what that does is it helps us to recognize that we aren't the center of the universe and that we aren't God. Because steadfast, continual devotion to God reminds us of our place and reminds us of who God is. God's call to us in every area, but especially in the context of prayer, is invitation through obedience. The problem is, is we focus too much on the outcome. And so for many of us, we kind of dabble in prayer a little bit and we want to see joy and we want to see connection and it doesn't come immediately and so we give up and we're wounded and we're cynical about prayer. Now the Puritans had a quote for this and the Puritans used to say, mind your work, not your wages. In other words, pay attention to what you're doing, not necessarily the outcome. I've said this to you before. God has not called us to results. God has called us to obedience. And he will take care of the results. And so God has called us into, he's given us an intimate invitation through obedience to come to pray with him. We focus too much on the idea of, okay, uh, I'll do this as long as there's a significant outcome that I can say, okay, this is worth my time, energy, and effort. And God's saying, no. I want you to be with me because this shapes you. This doesn't just give you answers to questions or situations. This shapes you in your character. Tim Keller talks about four kinds of prayer. And he says uh, to imagine that you're in a boat. And for some of you, you're rowing this boat. And, and your prayer journey is one of hard work. You're just rowing and rowing and rowing this boat. For some of you, you're drifting. You've stopped rowing. And you're just kind of drifting on the currents and you're in danger of going into wrong places. And for some of you, your boat is sinking. Uh, you, you haven't engaged in a significant prayer life in a long time. And what that means is that your heart is beginning to shrink. And the things that are happening to you, you're not bouncing off God. Um, one of my professors at Biola said, the worst thing you can do is not pray. You can yell and swear at God that's better than not praying. And yes, I did say that. Uh, he used to call it his spiritual language. And so, so let, let, me, let me give you a little bit of advice here. Do you think God knows what you're thinking? Do you think when you come to prayer and you filter those things, he doesn't know what you're really thinking? We might not, right? If Chris asked me how I'm doing and I'll say, man, I'm, I'm doing so well, I'm, I'm awesome. Now, Chris can't tell what's in here. God can tell what's in here. And ultimately, what he's hearing is like, I am hating life right now because of these things. And you know what that does? It opens my heart to receive the love. It opens my heart to receive the joy. It also opens my heart to receive correction. But the most important thing it does is it opens my heart because I'm honest, not with God, because he knows what's going on. I'm honest with myself. When you set time aside to pray, you are actually setting time aside for a, a physical and a spiritual liturgy. And I want to encourage this for you guys. I have my little morning routine. I get my cup of coffee and my two hard-boiled eggs, and I sit out there. Now that the mosquitoes are dead because of these three cold days, it's awesome. And, and just walking just the sound of my feet on my gravel path as I walk towards my seat I just exhale because I know I'm going to be with my dad and I know that for the next half an hour I don't have to pretend I don't have to be anyone else I don't have to solve any problem I get to sip on my amazing flat white and I get to be with my dad 
This doesn't sound traumatic, right? But when people say you must pray, that sounds a little traumatic. No, be with your dad. That's his invitation. Come and be with me. For so many of us, we, 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 we tackle prayer like it's a sprint. And it's actually, um, it's a marathon. So prayer is an endurance sport. Oftentimes, you will go through times, like, like Tim Keller said, you'll go through times where it feels like you're rowing. But then there will be times where you feel like the wind is at your back and you're just cruising through. And my encouragement to you is don't give up in those times. Be honest with God because he knows you more intimately than you ever could know yourself. There are so many different types of prayer. I can't even go into them. But if you want some kind of more spice to your prayer life, just talk to us. There's meditative prayer, praying in tongues, intercession, prayer walks, silent prayer, listening prayer, the prayer of examine. There's so many different kinds of prayer that we can um, participate in based on what works for you and based on the, the time that you are in your life. God is inviting you to an, a journey of intimacy. Because if we cultivate a habit of intimacy with God, then the oh God, oh God, help me prayers are not just prayers of magic. Let me give you an example. You have a very good friend of yours and you pick up the phone and you say, I need you. What will that friend say? On my way. I'm on my way. Will that friend say, well, you know what? The last three times we were meant to get together, um, you kind of blew me off. And the present that you gave me for Christmas was not financially exactly the same as the present I gave you for Christmas. And, um, and we are disagreeing on whether, how we should handle this COVID thing. So no, I'm not coming over. No, why? That sounds ridiculous, right? Why? Because you have developed a deep relational connection with this person that it doesn't matter what has happened in the, in the previous, in the, in the recent past, that person will be there. I need you. Um, coming right over. And so what happens is when we create this, um, this intimacy, when, when we respond to God's invitation for intimacy, we're creating this relationship so that in those times where all you can say is, oh God, oh God, please help me. He's not gonna say, well, you know, you didn't read your Bible this last week. Well, you know, this is the first time you've prayed in ages. But there's this relational connection where he says, I'm already there. He doesn't need to say, I'm, oh, I'm coming over. He's, he's like, I'm already there. Just still your heart and listen. You will hear me. I'm already there. One of the, uh, one of the key things that I have tried to build in my life over this time is what Paul, what I say Paul calls vigilant gratitude. In Colossians 1 verse 3, he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He also says, stay alert, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so there's this, there's this vigilance and this gratitude in prayer. And if, if, if gratitude is the foundation of your prayer life, in fact, if gratitude is the foundation of your entire spiritual life, then the difficulties and trials and pains that you go through will not be easy to handle, but will be easier to handle because there's a sense of gratitude. I mean, uh, Gabby led us so well this afternoon in the pre-gathering prayer where the focus of what she was saying is, I want you to intentionally think of something that you can be grateful to God for. And what it does is it, it, it shifts our mind. Being grateful is kind of like playing with an amplifier 
And actually, the more, the more grateful we are to God, the more we're able to tune out the noise of our own sin the more able we're able the more able we are to tune out the noise of our own areas of failure the more able we are to tune out the the, the noise of unmet expectations of pride of self-reliance it enables us to tune our ear to God the more grateful we are we were in an elders meeting recently and I said to the guys and their wives okay before we pray I want you to think of one person that you are grateful for in Mercy Commons and tell us who they are and why you're grateful for them. And we went round and husband and wife, and you know what? That was one of the greatest prayer meetings we've had because we shaped it around the idea of we're gonna start, not just with a general sense of gratitude, but which person in the context of Mercy Commons are we grateful for, why? And man, it was easy to pray after that. There's a difference between vigilance, ADD, and anxiety, okay? So they're not the same thing. Trust me, I know because I have ADD, and anyone that has tried to have a conversation with me will know that. It's like, squirrel, what's that? I just thought of something. I just thought of something else. And my wife has been very good because she's been able to piece those things together, but vigilance is not about, okay, let's do this thing now, let's do the other thing now, that's, that's ADD. Vigilance is not anxiety either. It's like worrying about what could possibly happen, about the worst case scenario in every single situation. Vigilance is a calm watching and listening. It's watching and listening what's happening in your own heart. It's watching and listening to what's happening in the context of the culture and your circle. It's watching and listening to what God is trying to tell you. Alertness is not anxiety, but sleepiness is not peacefulness. So you can feel peaceful when you're asleep, right? Well, then you're not watchful. And so we tend to do one of two things. We are completely disconnected and don't really know what's happening or don't really know how to pray or we are anxious about these things. And our prayers are fueled with anxiety and that is like jet fuel instead of this consistent slow burn. Like I said, remember, sprint versus endurance. Man, I'm trying to shoot through this, my fault. Prayer is our opportunity to hear God. And I don't know how many of us actually enter a time of prayer with that idea, is that this is my opportunity to actually listen to you. Now, I know it's complicated, because like John Mark said, well, that didn't work. But actually, what it does is it slows us down. And when you pair prayer with Bible reading, what it does is it begins to shift your gaze completely. Because if we don't know the word of God, then we won't be able to hear the voice of God. Let me say that again. If we don't know the word of God, we won't be able to hear the voice of God. Why can I say that with such surety? Because the whispers that we hear need to be filtered by the word of God. We need to be able to say to ourselves, God would never say that. How do I know that? Because this is what the word says about God, about who he is, about what he's done. And so if we want to hear the voice of God, one of the key ways that we get to do that is to, is to kind of... Um, dovetail prayer with Bible reading so that we can hear the voice and actually be confident that this is something that God is telling us to do. Vigilant gratitude makes us God aware. Uh, we're listening 
to what God is saying. And no wonder prayer is boring if we're just hearing to our own voice, if we're just listening to what we're saying. God, what are you trying to tell me about yourself? What are you trying to remind me about who you are? What, are, what have I forgotten about what you've done? Those are the kinds of things. It makes us self-aware. God, what are you trying to show me? What are you growing in me? What are you wanting to root out of me? What is happening in my soul? And the first things that you do is just settle your soul. The, the Psalms are full of these. We, we settle our souls and we pour out all the junk so that we can be filled up with God. We pour out my soul to God. And we do that so that there's space for him to pour that in us. God, I'm so stressed. I'm so angry. I'm so sad. God, I don't know what I am. Please help me to figure out what I am. Pour that out before God. We, we pour this container out before God. And then we sit and we wait and we listen. And we hear what God wants to say to us. Paul was watchful and grateful. He looked at his circumstances. And Paul, <laughs> Paul's prayer, if you were in prison... What would your prayer be? Come on, this is, yeah, get me out. Come on, people. Okay, listen to what Paul says. I want you to pray for us. What do I want you to pray? That God would open a door so that I could speak the mystery of Christ. What else? I want to make it clear. So, so when you pray for me, open a door so that I can preach the gospel, but I just want to preach it. I want to preach it in an accurate way so that I can do that. Now, he says, for which I am in chains. There's that reminder. He doesn't ask. Now, if you were praying for Paul, what would you be praying? If you knew he was in prison? Without a, yeah, God, get him out. I mean, there's a story in Acts where they're, they're praying for another apostle, Peter. They're having a prayer meeting. God, please release him from prison. And an angel releases Peter from prison and he knocks on the door and this young girl called Dorcas I love the name Dorcas Dorcas uh, opens the door and she's like whoa and she slams the door and she's like the ghost of Peter is outside and they're like that can't be let's carry on praying oh God get Peter out of jail oh God get it and then I don't know whether he carried on knocking or whether someone said should we check the door you know it was Peter he was released from prison so I'm not saying don't pray for your circumstances to be changed. Don't ask someone, I'm going through a difficulty, please will you pray that? But when we, t when we participate in vigilant gratitude, what it does is it helps us kind of redefine what we should be asking for. There were many times where Paul prayed to God for his personal circumstances to change. He said, many times I prayed for this thorn in my side to be removed. We don't know what that thorn was. It could have been bad relationships. It could have been an illness. We don't know what that was. He said, many times I prayed, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, God said to him, I'm not gonna take that away just yet. Wow. Now he, he prayed. God didn't take it away. There were times where he prayed and things did happen. So I'm not saying let's not pray for the things that are difficult. I'm just saying that when you place yourself in a situation to hear God, maybe what the Spirit of God is trying to tell you is, this is not the prayer I'm going to answer. 
I'm going to answer a different prayer for you, one you aren't even praying. And you're going to see your life flourish, and you're going to see glory come to God through that. And the only reason we can trust that is because we're in intimate fellowship with him. Is because we know he only wants our good. And we know that all the time, what he wants for our good doesn't feel good to us, but what we know, it's ultimately good for us. Why do I, why do I want to pray more? And, and hear me when I say this. This is not about quantity. This is about the quality of time you spend with God, but you can't have quality without some kind of quantity, okay? So you need to actually do like a minute at least. G.K. Chesterton says, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing badly, okay? So even tomorrow, even now this evening, before you go to bed, God, I'm gonna pray. When, uh, when I was thinking about this and praying about this, I was like, why? Why is this important? It's because I want to revel more in the mercy of God. I wanna hear the affirmation of the Father over me. I wanna hear his voice say to me, I know you. I know you like no one else knows you. I know you better than you know yourself. I wanna hear him speak words of life and affirmation so that when he speaks words of correction, I know where that comes from. I wanna be in times of intimate fellowship with God so that I realize I'm not the center of the world. And that means that everyone's life does not necessarily revolve around me. I need to be in that place because I'm constantly shifting to the center of my own universe. And times of prayer help me to understand that God is God, I am not, and I'm not the center of my universe. When I'm in prayer, I get to submit my anxieties to him, or I get to, God gets to pry my broken fingers and release control. But that only happens in the context of prayer. And sometimes I think I'm anxious, but I'm sad. Sometimes I feel like I want control, but actually I just want God to move in power. And, and in that time of prayer, God is able to help me. I want, I, I want to pray more because I, I want God to heal my body. I want God to heal my soul. Some of the prayers that we pray are for our bodies to be better, for our souls to be better. I want to be in a time of prayer because I want to see my faith become sight. My, my, my children are a result of not just our prayers. When, when we found out that Karin was pregnant with Kiona, this is a long story, but ultimately Karin almost died. She, um, she had an ectopic pregnancy. They told us it would be almost impossible for us to have kids. We were in a couple's house that had prayed for us for years when she came out of that bathroom with a stick in her hand and said, I'm pregnant. And they jumped up and down. It stirred their faith as much as it stirred ours. I also want to pray more because I want to see more of these things. I want to ask God audacious things. I'm not saying, God, give us a place to meet. I'm saying, God, give us a building free. <laughs> Come on, right? I mean, I'll take a building. But I'm, I'm stepping out and I'm being audacious and I'm saying, God, give us a building free. Why? So that we can use it as a center of grace in the city that God has called us to serve, not so that things can be better for us. Finally, Peter Gregg has a very, very simple um, acronym that 
we are going to use right now to pray through. And his acronym is quite simple. It's pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Um, I know there's other acronyms out there, but this is a simple one. Pause. One of, one, of the, one of the reasons that our prayer life is as scattered as the rest of our lives is because we don't take time to just simply breathe and say, God, I'm here. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, the first thing he did was he said, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven. I'm coming to the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who holds all things together. And we just pause. We sit there in silence. We just breathe deeply. And then we rejoice. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, it means, it means worthy of praise. There are so many things we can thank God for. Gabby led us so well. Everything that is pure, everything that is upright, everything that is praiseworthy, everything that is commendable, think on these things. We, if we start with a posture of gratitude, then when we get to ask, that's actually easier because we know we're asking in alignment with the will of God. Because we've started by understanding who God is, by rejoicing in who God is, and then we ask, give us this day our daily bread. God, I understand who you are. God, you are worthy of praise. And God, I come to you and I ask for these things. This is what I'm asking for. Paul was not afraid to ask. This is what I'm asking for. And then we yield. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation. And so we, we're yielding to God. We're, we're asking God for forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive others and lead us not into temptation. There's a sense of yielding to God because you know what happens? Sometimes when you ask God, the answer is, do you really want that? And then God slowly, like a gentle father, adjusts us and says, I think it would be better if you went this way. I think it would be better if this is what you asked. Paul, I know you're in prison, but actually it's an open door of ministry for you and I will sustain you and you will preach the word of God and the world will change. Okay, that's what I'll ask for then. <laughs> we yield to God. So we're gonna do that. 30 seconds on each of these things. I want you to close your eyes and I'm gonna lead you through the pray, rejoice, ask and yield. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want you to take the next 30 seconds just to think about something specific you can rejoice in or be grateful for to God. 
30 seconds. From this place of silence and stillness, from this place of worship and thanksgiving and gratitude, we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What are you asking of your Father? Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Where are the areas where you need to yield to God? Where you need to confess an area of unbelief, an area of sin. And don't allow this to shrivel your soul. Everything we've done before, the silence, the rejoicing, the asking, opens our hearts so that we can just give this to God. Thank you. It's in prayer that I remember that I was lost, but God found me. That I was blind, but he gave me the ability to see. It's in prayer where I can stop pretending and come out of hiding. It's in prayer where I can emerge and be who I really am. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or think or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.